Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. And I hate these guys. Howdy ho, it's me, Chris Field, and I'm here today to talk to you guys all about Princess Portions. Oh no, what was the new name of your diet plan? It's, uh, I never, had another name. It's the Never Plump Plan. Oh, Never, 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 It's the Never Plump Plan. I'm a Never Plump Plan. And you should see me. I just look so spectacular on the Never what is wait, Never wait, Plump. Wait, did you retain Paula Dean to <laughs> participate with Never Plump? No, she can't do Never Plump because A, she's plump, and B, she serves only butter. So, I mean. No, she lost weight. Paula Dean <laughs> lost a ton of weight. <laughs> that doesn't make any difference. It's like you losing weight. <laughs> Look, I dropped 40 pounds. Oh, Couldn't tell. <laughs> 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 oh, you're awful. That would you're, also you're be such true. a nasty woman, Chris. You're such a nasty woman. There's a word for women like me. <laughs> God. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, Welcome to the church, boys. We're here. This is Chris. That's Billy. So, uh, boy, it's a kind of a weird week. And of course, so now right when we start to record, the the levels start peaking. So, I, it, pardon me as I tweak these. Pardon me as I tweak these. Let me well, as you're doing that, uh, I, I actually heard some feedback from some people who listened to our last um, full episode and heard us talk about conscience over country. Oh, no. Uh, oh, and, no. It, and I had very I had people who were on your side who came to me and were like, you made a really interesting argument about conscience over country, and I hadn't thought of it that way. No, I see now you're it, lying. You're obviously, I'm not you're lying. obviously telling lies because there's no one on I'm the planet who would actually. So, somebody, so who look, said who Who made so, these alleged statements <laughs> um no i heard i heard from one or two people one person in particular so who before, i've before known go, for a while re- remind, who was listening to the show okay, remind people the conscience over country thing that you were talking about it, w- it was a hypothetical argument in that you know at, at some point in a presidential campaign when you say you're going to vote third party or you're not going to vote at all mainly when you say you're not going to vote at all because i understand i understand why people will write somebody in or choose somebody choose somebody else other than the two main major party candidates, but that you, know, you kind of have a responsibility to figure out if one of the two of them is going to be president, which is the lesser of two evils, which will position the country better. If you're refusing to do that, in essence, you're putting your conscience and the way you gotcha. feel above right. what could be best for your country. Right. Okay. So, and the conscience over country argument that we had was eventually you're going to put conscience over country, right? I mean, if they were both radical, and we can get into this from the debate on Thursday, right? If they were both radical supporters of partial birth abortion, which Hillary is and Donald claims not to be, though he has gone out and said he wouldn't put a ban. He has previously said he wouldn't put a ban on partial birth abortion. But let's say that they both came out and said they were pro-abortion, in fact, pro-partial birth abortion, allowing that to be. Would you then not pull the lever for Donald Trump? Would that be enough? To I stop would you still from pull the le- I would still pull the lever for the lesser of two evils, probably in that what case. They, I still if, would. What if they came out? Now, I I tend to believe that they have, they have a lot more in common as far as their views go, than than uh, than not in common. However, that said, they're campaigning very differently. Okay, but let's just say, for the sake of argument, they have almost identical worldviews. 
and their and their identical worldviews are identical to Hillary's current stated worldviews, would you then not vote for Donald Trump? I think you'd be hard pressed to find two people who are identical. So yeah, is it is it possible? But it, I would say there's like a point one percent chance that you'd ever have two candidates that are identical. And yeah, look. There, there are things that people like about Gary Johnson. There are things that people don't like about Gary Johnson. Interestingly, from what I've seen, he's not very good on religious liberty issues, which yeah, is an issue that totally. I care about. So you kind of you look through the issues and you have to decide based on what you believe who is going to be better. If okay. it were Gary Johnson versus Hillary, Gary Johnson right. versus Trump, you'd have to make those decisions. Right now, if if Donald, and I think you have to pick the if pick Donald, the if lesser Donald two Trump, if, Donald, if Donald Trump came out and and you said, you know, he's really bad on religious liberty issues. And you were able to say that, would you then not, would you say then I'm not going to vote for either of them? Because eventually, if they I, were, if the, well, the point well, I'm trying to make, the point I'm trying to make, and you know what I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make is eventually for everybody, I would think just about, unless you're a diehard, just my team or just my team, Democrat versus Republican kind of thing. It, unless you're one of those weird people who has to have their team, regardless of the policies, you're going to vote you're going to put your conscience over your country eventually. Well, I don't I think that in a bad situation, you're going I would still pick the lesser of two evils. That is what I would do. There was a time when I said I wouldn't vote. I'm not going to say who I'm going to vote for. I have decided most likely who I will vote for. And look, I have heard good reasons for people who are voting for Trump. I've heard good good reasons for people who are voting for Clinton. I may not agree with either of those reasons, but the reality is if you can make an argument for why you feel based on what you believe that one of them is the option you're going to choose. Nobody's passionate about them. We've seen, I mean, I shouldn't say nobody, but I think it's like 40%, around 40% of the people supporting both of them actually like them. So, I mean, that's pretty low and pretty sad. And can I just say, I want to throw one statistic out because this is the most depressing statistic. Mark my words. Okay, wait, is this going to be to the faith angle? A little bit, yes. Can we go back? Before you do that, I want you to, I I do want you to point that out. But I wanted to say, because I interrupted you when you were going to talk about someone who was saying to you on this, I've never thought about the conscience over country thing. What was some of the what were some of the responses that you got that were allegedly supporting you and your views on well, that? Well, it was more like they're thinking about it. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to I'm definitely going to vote for one of the two candidates. But I think it was definitely a little bit more of, look, I think the selfie generation is carrying over. The look at me generation is carrying over into the vote a little bit. <laughs> I also think, you know, on the flip side, we, we have all these people who assume that their salvation is somehow tied to how they're voting. And we then we have other people who on the other side are saying, you can't vote for that candidate. You know, you you're Christians. Well, you had no problem with those before you're telling those Christians, oh, stop, stop inserting your views, yeah. your religious yeah. views into your vote. Now they've stopped doing that, and all of a sudden it's a problem. Yeah, I have, so, no, I have no room for lectures from people on the left who have constantly ridiculed my faith and said, keep your faith out of all of this, and then turn around and say, you can't vote for so-and-so because you're a Christian. Like, listen, shut up. You've already disqualified yourself from this conversation. Right. And I also don't, and I think it's a tough election. So I will, I understand evangelicals who are choosing to vote for one or the other, even yeah. if I don't agree with those decisions, I, I understand it because too. it's a bad election. But, yep. Yep. but I also don't think it's unhealthy for Christians to be able to say, okay, we have always opted for the candidate that we really believed was going to be the Christian good best candidate. We don't have that anymore. It's the first post-Christian election. So we're right. going to have to go with the one that we think is best for the so country. What about, because we, guess what? When... 
I know all of you are having champagne dreams, caviar <laughs> nights over there with your, oh, we're so happy we're not going to vote. We're, we're making ourselves feel so good. We're just going to write it's someone in and we're not going to vote. The reality is this good. country will be led by somebody next it's, January, it's, it's and it won't of, be the third-party candidate that matter, you're writing in. It's not a matter of feeling good. It's just a matter of it not It is a doing, matter of feeling good with no, yourself. Yes, it is. Anyway. Uh, crap, I was going to ask you something else that was related it to what is, you're talking how, about. How is it not a matter of feeling good about yourself? That is exactly what because it is. Because I never feel good about myself. So you, I, yeah, You're going to try to slither out of this now. It's it's about no, no, no. you guys. It's a matter, it's it's about, a matter of I can't, I can't. No, it's not a matter of feeling good about myself. It's a matter of I can't justify doing. There are things I can't justify doing. And and that's one of I can't just uh, you know I can't justify I certainly can't justify voting for Hillary Clinton. I just don't think it's a salvation issue, and I think I don't, you all I, think I, it well, is. I, said, no, I think it's I really think so. fascinating. I do not think it is a salvation issue. I do think oh, that you a are a little. No, you no, guys no, kind no, of no, 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 no. I do think we are accountable for the things that we do. I don't consider the Hillary or Trump vote a salvation issue. I think we are accountable for the things that we do, including our voting. But I you, think God but you can understand. <laughs> but you know, I think I think when you're presented with two bad options and one of them is going to be president, I'm, I would be right. ho hopeful that God would understand. No, no. Also, you could say, if I'm using your argument, that you'll right. be accountable for allowing the Supreme Court to go to the Democrats. Right. But you know, right. So, uh, uh, speaking of conscience, no, Guys, I'm just trying to upset Chris. I'm just trying to enrage Chris. It's That's what this is. It's just me trying to enrage Chris. It's not going to work. It's not working. It's not going to work. Uh, okay, so this week on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of I the, con the conscience thing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, with this classy dame, what did she say? What did she, what was the argument you were even having with her? Well, no, there was, let me just, when yeah, you're dealing with tr even, Twitter all, nut jobs, there okay. wasn't even an argument. It all was, I know is I stepped into the middle of this and completely <laughs> just was inappropriate. <laughs> that what this was was and we can get into this in talking about the debate okay. you know that the third the third and final mess as we'll call <laughs> it, it was a mess uh, but the abortion question which i think really was a shock for a lot of people not a shock but because right. a lot of people already knew the answer and right. what what people would say what hillary and trump would say but i think hillary in particular you know i have been asking a question and have not yet been given a response from anybody with a comp with competence or a brain because i don't think there's a real answer to it I understand, and I guess we're going to get heavy quick here. Let's just get into the abortion discussion well, wait, because no, I understand you, the argument, and I'm not saying I agree. What? Go ahead. You're telling me to stop. But, but is this going to get us into the Twitter discussion? I, yes, I want to get heavy, but can't. at the same time, because we got because you're setting this up. Okay, so you we'll are, get heavy. You are like interrupter in chief today. I, I love am. it. So anyway, we'll, we'll get into no, this. I need to be interrupted because right. I'll go on off the rails, right. as we know. Right, basically, without going too deep into it, we can abort the. I can. I hate you. All right. Let's anyway, the, the abortion debate. Okay. When you say that a mother in, in late term abortion, that a mother is you know terminating a pregnancy because of something with the baby, that baby doesn't have a brain. They find I mean, there's awful things that can happen late term in a pregnancy, right. apparently. Or so think, think I that. understand. I'm not saying I agree, but I understand those arguments. It's about yeah. the baby's health. OK, right. let's put that over there. I understand if you're saying them, if you're four months pregnant and you're diagnosed with cancer and you have and you have to either treat it or you're going to die that's a decision that you have to make and i'm not agreeing i'm just saying that's a conundrum for people right. what i don't understand is when hillary and others say well i oppose the late-term abortion ban because dot 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 the life or health of the mother were at risk right. 
when we get into this discussion about the life and the health of the mother in a late-term right. abortion, the baby is already viable. So what I had right. tweeted right. was asking people, okay, can you tell me why? Are there any actual examples in right. which a doctor has said to a woman, you must abort the baby when you're eight months pregnant because you have a health issue and killing the baby is a necessity right. and because you have a health issue. And the example that, that Donald Trump gave, and I thought it was a fair example, is he said, you know, the day— the, the day before the baby's born, people like Hillary and the radical abortion left think it's okay to kill the baby, to rip it to pieces and pull it out of the womb the day before it would right. be born. And the fact is that they do think that's okay. And in fact, some of them believe in post-birth abortion, like being able to kill the baby after it's born. I mean, that actually is discussed too. In fact, that's why we have the, the Infant Born Alive Protection Act. Anyway, so Trump's point was, listen, the, the day before the baby would be born, just a minute, Hello? Hello? Can you believe that this is happening on a show, that somebody's picking up their foot? It's so rude. Well, while he's not here, let me just say this. Conscience over country is no bueno. Country over conscience, however, is a beautiful thing that we should all embrace. Oh, he's coming back. Hold on. Um, That was just a phone call about some stuff going on this Mm -hmm. evening. All right. So, uh... Sure, it involves food. Sorry sure about the interruption. Sort of pasta, actually, church a, pasta supper. I wish it did. Because I'm starving. Um, so uh, anyway, so Trump's point was the day before a baby is born, you, you, the radical abortion left, think that we should be able to kill the baby. And Hillary said yes. She said, I think it's an ugly choice, but you're, you're describing it incorrectly. First was, what it, was her claim. But I think your question is right. If, if the baby has... And the fact... In fact, the, in fact... Partial birth abortion, where they, the literal partial birth abortion, where they birth the baby and then jab scissors into the back of its head and scramble its brains to kill it, that is actually done breach, which is even more unhealthy for the mother, because you turn the baby around and birth the baby feet first, and then and then turn the baby over while it's out and snip into the back of its head. Now that's so, grotesque and it's disgusting and that's how it is, but that's more dangerous to a woman than an actual live birth. And the fact is we do cesarean sections all the time. So go have a C-section and pull the baby out. Who could The baby who could live. There's no difference I, between giving birth to a dead baby and a live baby. I don't understand. Look, it is... Well, and you would do a C-section. If, if somebody has, an, and I'll just use the wording that the abortion doctor, who I won't name, who I interviewed, I think we might have talked about it on the we show, did. Did. the most yeah. insane experience that I've ever had in my life, interviewing a person who for decades has been performing these abortions and trying to peacefully and calmly ask questions yeah. and being shut down and yelled at every time I asked a question because I'd use the word baby to discuss somebody who had a, a baby inside of them and they were eight months pregnant. I said, well, what happens to the baby? I was hung up on and yelled at. In that interview, I asked specific questions. I have not been given an answer. The answer I was given is that a woman's health problem at that point would be, quote, malignant hypertension. Okay, so for anybody paying attention, malignant hypertension would, I I suppose, be a heart condition where carrying the pregnancy to term would be problematic. So if you have malignant hypertension when you're three months pregnant, okay, you have a dilemma. If you have malignant hypertension when you're eight months pregnant, the baby has to come out either way. I ha- I find it hard to believe that a C-section would be more grueling than an abortion on somebody's body. But right. I agree. I I don't know. I I don't know. It, to me, it just seems very strange. Again, I think what this is 
when you talk about health of the mother, and if I'm if I'm correct, the 2003 partial birth abortion, um, the ban on partial birth abortion, that bill had an exemption for the woman's life in it, did yeah, it not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was required. Okay. They had to do it. Yeah. So the the exemption for the so for Hillary to say that the health of the mother was not included in that. That is, a, to me, a red herring. That It's a cover for, I do support late-term abortion, but I don't want to admit that. So right. I, I support parents' choice of, of terminating a pregnancy if there's something wrong with the baby. So I'm going to throw in the woman's health yep. to try to muddy the waters here. You're correct. So, yeah. So this so this then led to, you, you posted something on Twitter about this, and it led to what? Well, it led to an insane person. Um, <laughs> First of all, it started with, you know, why do you want to control women's vaginas, which is always where it starts. And I was like, this is not about that. This is about uh, late-term abortion. Now, let me say, because controlling women's vaginas is one of the greatest things in the world. Oh, boy. I mean, as, as, listen, we are members of the patriarchy. There's nothing we like better as members of the patriarchy than controlling women's vaginas. That's what we, that's what we live for. This person proceeded. (laughs) Now, I wasn't fighting with them. In fact, I wasn't even interested in interacting with them. (laughs) They proceeded to say that they wanted me to commit suicide repeatedly, and then be actually, off. my wife thought it was my wife thought it was so funny because it was your wife will be better off without you. Your daughters won't be as you know they'll they'll feel so much better about their lives without you. <laughs> it went on and on. Kill yourself immediately, please die soon. Um, and I'm like, look, at least I did write back and said, at least you're ideologically consistent. That's right. <laughs> you love death, and right. you you are now wishing it upon me. So right. I will give you points for that. <laughs> it's so. So then I'm reading her idiocy on Twitter and I get into it with her. And and I jokingly say that, uh, that I say, I finally have found someone on Twitter I can agree with. (laughs) And she writes back and she finally gets the joke and she says, how's that chalkboard crying in front of a chalkboard thing working for you? Because I work for the blaze, which is, you know, it's a Glenn enterprise. And, uh, I said, well, I don't own any chalk. (laughs) (laughs) So we go back and forth. And she's just saying these things about killing yourself, and and then she talked about uh, uh, um, something about how Ronald Reagan, because he m- was talking with people in Mississippi, was promoting the racist cause that Donald Trump is promoting, and that we should mm-hmm. all die and the world would be better off. And then I sent you, I tweeted to her in response, and included you that we needed to have a classy dame like this on the show. <laughs> And then she proceeded to believe that she was actually coming on the show. Right, and then she thought she was being invited on the show and called me a coward for not responding when I was actually at the school picking up my daughter who was sick. (laughs) And then I said, no, it was a pretend invitation, just like I was pretending when I used the word classy to describe someone like you (laughs) and these other things. It kind of got ugly, Uh, but uh, we all parted as friends. No. Uh, That's not true. (laughs) But I will say— She still would like to be on the show. No, but what sort of and this is the what thing, kind of the same this? sort of twisted person that has no qualms with a, an abortion for no reason right. past six months is the same sort of twisted person that wishes suicide on people. <laughs> and that's the thing. Allegedly, I could I could it'd be I would be one thing if I thought this person was joking around and say, oh, Billy, just kill yourself. I mean, right. Even then, I don't I don't know that that's the funniest thing in the world to say, uh, but I could I could give it a pass. But she wasn't kidding. Like we would, no. she literally thought we the world would be better off if we were dead. Now, have I heard that before? Yes, many times. <laughs> but anyway, so that's that's the level it's, of discourse we are at in this country. And thank God that this is almost over. I can't wait for it to be over. And I would say the debate overall, <laughs> I thought 
just getting back to the debate, was the yeah. most substantive it of was. the three. Oh, absolutely. And I thought Trump actually handled himself the best out of the three. I think calling her a nasty woman was his low point, and and also not not explaining Bad his views on concession. Bad hombres. Bad hombres. Oh, I didn't mind that. Let's you know. Um, let's take a break, and we'll get back and talk about the debate, and we'll and we'll get into one of our interviews. Actually, somebody uh, who we interviewed who did a big event the day before the the debate, and uh, and is doing an encore of this event. Uh, in the very near future. So we will be right back. The founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this, uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like, for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company, and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond, and they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a 1,000 agents across the country, and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents I trust, it's sent to somebody who already – you already know their sensibilities – they already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is. Realestateagentsitrust.com. And now, back to the church boys. They're a real pain in my So when last we spoke, um, Billy was getting into some sort of nonsense about things that Billy, that, uh, Trump was talking about the concession stuff or did you want to talk about the hombres I I care more about the concession stuff so first did you laugh when he said when he called her a nasty woman I did I won't lie but then I part of me also felt like wow this is really classy ugly you know it's it was representative of what this entire campaign has been and and here's here's the deal did I laugh when he said such a nasty woman did I laugh when he said that you at 100% stone cold lock that I laughed on that that said, do I consider that at all presidential? No, I do not. Do I think that was classless? Yes, I do. That doesn't mean I didn't yeah, laugh. Look, I do think that they there was actual anger and malice in yeah, oh all yeah. of this. Look, think about – I just want to mention – and this is something we didn't even say we were going to talk about. But the fact is – and when we get into the concession speech, we can talk more about it. The video that James O'Keefe came out with. That video, if true, and one of them has allegedly been fired and the other one has allegedly stepped down, right. who were in those videos, right. which makes me think could be true. The videos, um, the videos of the behind-the-scenes work where violence and other things yes. were perpetuated by outside groups. They were, they were contracted true, with other people. This plays into his—look, his whole rhetoric about the election being rigged and yeah. all of that. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. It is interesting. Now— you're you're right that it's nasty and it was nasty and we need to get to the concession discussion in a minute. But something that you told me about that I didn't know, you sent me the link of the story with Cardinal Dolan. Yes. So tell people about what happened with this Cardinal <clears throat> Dolan thing. So Cardinal Dolan and and I think this is funny to me because you see you get this public persona, right, of um the two candidates and you see how they you know, you're a nasty woman and, and all these other things that they say publicly. Um but then you hear Cardinal Dolan, who poor Cardinal Dolan, he's at the uh, he's at the Alfred Smith dinner, which is this you know, annual dinner, but during presidential election seasons it's it's customary for the two candidates to both show up. 
Um, he's sitting in between Clinton and Trump. Oh. So this is less than 24 hours after the debate. So you can imagine emotions are still high for the two candidates. Probably they're appearing at this event together and they now they shook hands at this event and they talked to each other. And there are pictures of Hillary smiling while she's talking to Trump. There's right. some interesting things. Now, Dolan is the only one who really knows what was said at the at that table because he was next to them. And he appeared this morning on the Today Show and he talked about he said, look, it's awkward. Right. It, there's no doubt about it. it. The two of them are incredibly awkward together. But he talked about this moment backstage, which I really I thought this is super interesting. He apparently prayed with them backstage, both right. of them together. Yeah. And when the prayer was over, he said that Trump turned to Clinton and said, quote, you know, you are one tough and talented woman. Wow. And he said, this has been a good experience overall. This whole campaign as tough as it's been. And Clinton responded, again, Donald, again, whatever this happens, this we need to work together. And this is according to Dolan. Dolan, who I don't says, think would lie. She says, no matter what happens, we got to work together. Now, do you be- first, first, do you believe Dolan? Yes. Okay. Second, do you believe Trump and or Hillary meant a word that they said? I believe I, Trump I, I don't know did that I do or he not. said it at the debate. He said he said at yes, the debate that she true. never gave up at the second debate. Um, so, yes, true. it seems to be very much in character and he, with what. And he has said those kinds of things about her before. Like she's a great senator. She was a good first lady. He's talked and that she was a good secretary of state. I mean, he has complimented her before. I, whether she, she, however, has not complimented him. No, and couldn't even bring herself to really and, do it and, at the debate. And in fact, even with the discussion that Cardinal Dolan talked about, uh, she didn't. She didn't compliment him there either. She said, "No matter what happens, we got to work together," which is typical pablum from everybody in politics. We got to work together. I mean, whether they believe it or not, they say it. So, but I, I, I think, do think she dislikes him way more than he dis- dislikes her. Yeah, I think that he listen. As somebody who's a bit of a radiophile, and I love the old radio wars. There's a lot of radio wars that happened where there wasn't any re- there wasn't as bad a blood as you think that there was. Like the times that Don and Mike would fight with Howard Stern or Opie and Anthony would fight with other people. There was some bad blood in some of those radio wars and then others it was just it was all it was all manufactured. And I think on Donald's part, I think it's largely manufactured. He's a showman. You know, he's a Vegas guy, he's a Atlantic City guy, he's a New York, he's a New York Manhattan guy. I think a lot of it's for show. And so I, you know, yeah. I think he's, yeah. I think no, he I agree. I think he genuinely likes, or at least has respect for Hillary and her skills, her political skills, her acumen, that sort of stuff. But I don't know. I do think he would have won that debate had he not brought up the thing, the conce- had he not bungled the concession. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I actually think, though, he's trying to shore up the base with it. I think he will concede. I don't anticipate he's not going to concede if he loses right. by a lot. What he could have said was if the election is close, you go back to Bush and Gore, you know, I, I want to make sure, but I do think he's playing up this rigged election bit, obviously quite a bit sure. at this point. Sure. And I do think the media is right. I will say, I think the media is totally rigged. Right. Yes. Is the election rigged? That's the, that's the question that people have to figure out what they, what they think on. I don't know that the election is widespread is being rigged widespread. But right. if you rig the media, you can rig the polls and you can rig the public. So, yeah. Is it the right word to use? Yeah. Maybe not. But no. I don't think the election is rigged. Well, I no, I don't think that the election is rigged. Not not in the way that he's kind of implying or he, that he wants us to infer whatever. Right. I, I do think that there is, like you said, that the media is biased against him. I do think there are some other shenanigans going on, like the stuff that. 
Project Veritas has has come out and allegedly exposed, I don't think that there's some sort of government effort to undermine people's votes. Do I think that there's election fraud? Yeah, absolutely. I think there are people who vote illegally, right? Uh, I don't, however, think that I don't think that there's a massive rigging of the election going on as far as the ballot box goes. Now, no, no, but uh, not charging her things like that. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's yeah, yeah. But not at the ballot box. I, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean, um, look, if if it's true that everybody in the office that handled that investigation thought she should have been charged, except for James Comey, well, then you got a you've got a problem. <laughs> right. Um, I right. mean, exactly. I mean, there's there's definitely an issue there. <laughs> yeah. Then if that's true. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I I think that uh. I think that he came, and then he, the next day, the day after, so he he wouldn't he wouldn't agree to say you know that I would accept the results of the election, which I think I don't have a frankly I don't have a problem with it. But then the next day he came out, and his timing was perfect on this. I want to make a major announcement. I will accept the results of the election if I win, and the crowd went crazy, and they just <laughs> ate it up. Now that said, that was funny to me, and and a lot of people are making hay about him not accept, saying he won't that he won't. He won't say that he will accept the results of the election. He's not obliged to. Whether he accepts yeah, I, the results of the election or not is immaterial because the results of the election will be the results of election, whether he wants to accept it or not, right? The sky is going to be blue whether I want to accept it or not, and whether Donald accepts it or it not. But it plays into Brian Stelzer's whole narrative of the bloody revolution yeah, in the streets. That, you know, the only revolution that's happening in the streets happen. is that Brian's going to get the runs after he eats at a food truck outside of CNN, probably. <laughs> that's the only revolution that we're going to see. It is... Yeah, the yeah, the whole yeah. thing I shouldn't have said that that's awful. The whole thing is just ridiculous, but it, it, it does is, play yeah. into that. It does. But anyway, that's and whatever, whatever. I, I just I don't have a problem with him saying I don't result accept the results of the election right until it's shown that he that so and so has won, and then he'll accept. But the fact is, whether he accepts it or not is immaterial. One of those two will be president, and it doesn't matter if one of them accepts that fact or not. And it doesn't matter if I accept that fact or not, or Billy, or or whoever. It's, it's immaterial. Your views on whether but or not you'll you feel it. fine because you'll wrap yourself up at night in the ballot on which you put po- you posted your third party candidate's name, or not your third party. You're gonna just no, you're I don't, vote I'm, for like hey, listen. If there's a third Ted party, Cruz if there's a third party sure. listening on my ballot, I'll vote for that third a third party person. I would vote for an Emmett McMullen or. A, or, uh, oh, I'm sure you'll write Ted Tedifer Cruz. Tedifer Cruz, the love of your life. Um. We should, we should probably, did I really mention the runs in a food truck? I think that was that did. where yes, that went? You did. Um, Which is fine. I can hear we've my all, career selling. We've away. all experienced it. It's okay. We have not yeah. from a food truck. Cause I don't no. eat from food trucks. They you don't? Oh, no, wait, you don't like any food trucks. I won't do a food truck. I really? just, I would, I will do them outside of New York city. I will not do a food truck in New York city. No. Do you count the, like the falafel stands on the street as food trucks? Those are the vile that is the bottom of the barrel. Oh, yes. really? See, I kind of like the falafel stuff on the on the streets. Of, of course you did. It was cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about cheap, and, too. And, but... and delicious. No, I like that stuff. You I, do, so you I do buy the nuts for nuts. The nuts for nuts in the bag. Those I do buy. I don't touch the nuts. I mean, I stay away from them. All um, right. Can we play an interview now? Now, yes. In a second, though. But this food truck aversion that you have, what what's the deal? See, I like food trucks. I like the taco um, truck. Like have you taco seen food rats in New York City? Have you no, I'm seen you said rats can make their rats can make their way into a Dunkin' Donuts? I'm pretty sure they're in a food truck at night. And I'm I, look, I am not. I also don't trust random people who start little food truck businesses. No, I'm okay, kidding. I have friends funny. who have food trucks, but I just I don't. 
I don't. I actually don't have a problem with legit food trucks. It really is what you just mentioned. It is those okay. like street meat. Right. I call yeah, them street meat. Yeah, and that's vendors. I just try not to think about what I'm eating because it tastes good, but if I think about it, I, there's a fifty-fifty chance that it's cat, right? Oh, it's definitely Bronx kitten. Yeah, not even just cat kitten. I don't even. I, I actually really do like food trucks. Like, there's like an actual yeah. market of real food oh, yeah, trucks yeah. that I like. I'm not trying to put the vendors down. I, look, really everyone's got to make a buck. I'm just not interested in having the runs. In Roslyn, just outside of D.C., across the bridge from D.C., from Georgetown, there's a really good crepes food truck. If you happen to be in Roslyn, go to this food truck. It is fantastic. It's just it's a it's a block and a half from the from the uh, from the key bridge. So anyway, uh, uh, oh, interview. Which we one did, are we? we which one are we going to do? Which one are we going to do first? Because we have siblings today. We. We we have this is like it's like the Carpenters. Yes. Remember the Carpenters? Right. I didn't like. Um, them. I'm not a Carpenter fan. Well, I wasn't around for them because I'm much younger. Well, I, but the I point is, I, I know either. the Carpenters. I wasn't either, but I listened to the old stuff and. I, know, I was going to say you're during, young for the Carpenters Christ, too. But Christmas, like the Christmas album, the Christmas car, the the Carpenters Christmas album, not a huge fan. It's a, like a classic. It's a standard uh, for a lot of people. I agree. I'm, it's hard I'm, to mess up the Christmas album too. I agree though. I'm not a big um, fan. Uh, look. I, I want to think I want to roll Kirk first. I don't think I want to roll Candace first. We actually, right. and I'm giving it away, but we have yeah. two wonderful siblings today right. that actually came separately on the show. Right. One is our good friend, Kirk Cameron. Right. And then and the, the other, other is, is his better looking younger sibling, Candace Cameron. Candace Cameron. Beret. Beret. I love that beret. I beret. love that she's got that little. Like she's like married to like this hockey player, right? Like yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. And don't mess her. with her because she's married to a hockey player. So. That's right. That's right. And <laughs> she, I mean, look, so we, and we talked to them about wildly different things, yeah. although we did talk a little bit about, with Candace about her brother too. So I guess let's just start with Kirk. Roll it. It's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys podcast and Chris Field is here with me. And we also have our friend, the one, the only Kirk Cameron. How you doing today, Kirk? I don't know. There might be, there might be two or three of us. There might be an alternate <laughs> universe or something where another one exists. <laughs> I think Pierce Morgan could get really upset at that fact, but I think uh, it might be safe to say I'm the only one. I love it. I love it. Well, well, listen, I'm I'm glad that you're on. I know you've got a million things going on right now, and the big thing that you have um, happening is Revive Us, which just showed yeah. in theaters across the country this past week, and there's an encore, another presentation coming this Monday. And so I just wanted to, I guess, start by asking you what is revive us take us through what it is well it's my favorite thing to talk about right now but before <laughs> i do i just want to say billy and chris i'm so thankful for you guys and all the good things that you're doing billy i love your face beat the emails i get them all the time and i'm always encouraged and inspired by the stories that you report on when everybody else is reporting on garbage and depressing discouraging divisive stuff you're you're uniting us with your you know and and with this podcast with the church boys. I love it. I so, appreciate so, that, and you even appreciate Thank Chris, you. which is great. Yeah, notice <laughs> yeah. he didn't he didn't name anything specific about me that he appreciated. It's just the fact that I happen to be here. Yeah, Kirk, I have to let you know before you get into discussing your way more important project than what we're talking about right now, and that is uh, I have signed up for Billy's newsletter six or eight different times, and he keeps telling me on the list. Guess how many copies? How many times I've received the newsletter? Zero. Zero. Uh, zero. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know what it. I don't know what it is. <laughs> anyway, anyway, let's talk about important things. Take us through Revive Us. So Revive Us was was birthed out of uh, 
the desire that I have to offer hope and encouragement and a fresh perspective for Christians. I travel and visit churches all over the country, and I hear it all the time. Moms are saying how deeply concerned they are for their children and their future. Dads know that the nation is broken, and they wonder if we've reached the last days of America as a great nation. And indeed, we are on the edge of the cliff. It is the 12th hour. But I want to say that I believe there's never been a more exciting time to be a Christian in America. This could be our finest hour, because it's always at it's the point in the story, whether it's in the scriptures or it's in a great film or it's in a great movie, that it's when all hope appears to be lost that God steps in and parts the waters. When Moses is backed up against the Red Sea with Pharaoh and the army bearing down on them, it's when they call out to God, it's when they hit their knees and they turn to the Lord that God shows up. And I'm hoping and praying that this could be a Red Sea moment for our story in America. And Revive Us is a, is a national family gathering of the family of faith. I've called together my smartest, wisest, and most faithful friends to pray and worship and to lead us in discussions on what we can do as a nation right now. Ben Carson, Francis Chan, Eric Metaxas, James McDonald, Jennifer Rothschild, we get Miss Clara from the movie War Room leading us in prayer. I love Worship her. with the Passion Band. My daughter Isabella is there. We had this live national family meeting two days ago, three days ago, in a thousand movie theaters across the country, and we filled up and sold out so many theaters, and it was better than I thought it could have been. Well, it's funny because you bring you bring up all of these different you know things in the Bible back to these times, and we're so worried about what's happening now culturally, and everybody's panicking, they're in despair. Um, but you think back to the early church, and the early church thrived in a very difficult environment. Um, and so, not that we want our environment to be difficult, but it is interesting what God can do in in difficult times. What were you going to say, Chris? I think I cut you off. Oh no, I wasn't saying anything. I'm trying to fix a cord here while you're speaking. <laughs> Um, let, let me ask you this, because all of in culturally right now, and the reason you sold out theaters is because people are concerned about what's happening. What are some of the biggest right now and what you're seeing? Well, obviously we're in this election cycle and, and, and every debate throws more blood on the floor of the political cage match we watch on television. And there are so many deceptive plays going on, so many brush fires being set. And what tends to happen is that people start focusing on personalities and, uh, and, and, and specific events rather than stepping back and looking at the 30,000-foot view. And if you do that, you would see that, 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 that America is about to flatline at the heart and soul level. Um, it's about to go off the cliff, and we're starting to wake up and, and, and after Carson said at Revive Us, uh, I asked him, as a doctor who's been in impossible situations where there was no hope, that he was able to pull through with skill and prayer and a phenomenal team, I asked him, would you 
if, if America were your patient, how would you diagnose her health? What are the vital signs telling you? Uh, and, and what are the chances of her recovery? And then I asked him, what, what, what if she does not pull through? I mean, there are other nations, and as you said, Christians have, have uh, shown great valor and courage in very difficult situations uh, that they are right now in the Middle East. And he answered those questions, uh, as well as many others with Francis and James, and, and answered other questions coming into the audience throughout their nation, that filled us with utter hope and, and courage and optimism uh, and we talked about a strategic plan to restore the nation from the inside out and the bottom up before she flatlined. Uh, you know, no one in their right mind should get excited about the idea of persecution. Um, right. our, our, our brave brothers and sisters in the Middle East are undergoing torturous and inhumane uh, situations. That's not what we want for our children, no matter how much it fires up the church. What we want is to get the heart of the church, the, the the true faith and religion that made this nation so healthy, you know, 200 and 400 years ago, to get that flowing through its veins again, so that we can stop the gangrene uh, that we're 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 now so painfully aware of at the fingertips. Mm. It's spreading to the hands and the arms, and and. If we don't get on the ball now and revive the soul of the church, and that is the power of God working through the hearts of people everywhere, the infection will get and to the heart and completely stop it. That, yeah. That's just that's the truth in history. It's what happens, and uh, by God's grace, the church will wake up and we will have our finest hour. I love it. I love it. So what is the, you know, so Monday people come to the show, they, they come and they see it this Monday. What's the action point for them? Not only how you want them to feel, but what do you want people to do in their lives, in their communities after watching Revive Us? Well, you know, I, I don't want to steal the thunder uh, and the impact of Revive Us. I, I can't say in, in, uh, in two minutes what 12 of us say through prayer and, and worship and song and and interaction and debate uh, in two hours for the event itself. But what I what I can tell you is there's absolute reason for for being hopeful. There's absolute action steps that can be taken, and it is not too late. But we can't wait any longer. We, we've waited until 11:59 p.m. And uh, on November 8th, a great determination will be made about the kind of nation we'll be living in, not just for the next four years, but for the next 50 years. Because we're talking about someone who will appoint 7,000, there's 7,000 political appointments that are directed uh, by the person who becomes president. Um, There are tremendous implications for the next 50 years because of the Supreme Court. Uh, because of our uh, policies about uh, borders and the economy and so many other things. And if we as the church are not informed about this, if we're ignorant about, about how our government works, then we're going to reap the consequences of that ignorance. And if we're not active, not participating, 
then we're simply saying it doesn't matter. We're going to let somebody else determine the future for our children. And we just simply can't afford to let that happen. So I want everyone to turn out Monday night to revive us. Be impacted, refreshed, revived. Uh, let us fill your, your sails with the, the, the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit mm. and, and give you, you know, put fuel in your tank. Wow. Well, this is this has been great, Kirk, and we always appreciate talking with you. You got to come back and guest host with us. I know you have a flight to catch, so we're gonna we're gonna let you escape for now. But you got to come back again. Well, and hopefully the next time he comes on, I'm I would not. Love to. Hopefully the next time he comes on, I'm not spending all of my time sitting over here at the board trying to fix a wire that has crapped out on me while we're while we're talking to him. <laughs> oh, I love man. it. <laughs> I love it. Just, you know, I I know how that goes. <laughs> I, uh... I'm just glad my cell phone reception is working here in, in the uh, Chicago airport. Yeah. Well, listen, we we appreciate you, and I'm and I'm really yeah. thankful that you came on today. You got to come back soon. You got to be on for the whole hour. All right. I would love it. I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be the, the third church boy. That works. Yeah, right you got to do it. Hey, we, when we're all doing this. Yeah. We, we take you. <laughs> we, we, you're welcome. You're welcome yeah, to come anytime. All right, buddy. All right, man. We'll talk Thank to you, you later, so much, guys. All right. <laughs> Bye. 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 The church boys. Man, I eat these guys. So it's sort of like double mint day here on <laughs> the church boys. That was Kirk Cameron. And now we'll have and now we have Candace Cameron Bray. And what I talked with her about, uh, we talked a little bit obviously about Reviva. She's very proud of her brother, loves her brother, obviously, loves what he's doing. And she actually had gone to Times Square, which I thought was really cool because she was she's in New York right now oh, working right. on the view. Oh, right. And right. um Bought tickets to a theater on the night of her brother's show oh, good. and, and went into the theater and didn't watched go. it. And it ended oh. up, what was that? And then she didn't go. No, she went oh, okay. and she took pictures it's on Instagram. It's okay. actually really cool. Okay, good. She was like, I don't know. It's New York City. Are there going to be a lot of people there? And there was a great group of people. They prayed Fantastic. together after. That's she. Cool. It was just a really cool experience. And she'll talk a little bit about that. But we also talked a lot about Donald Trump, the presidential race. Um, how she sees things. And, you know, I always like getting her perspective because I always saw her as kind of like the reluctant political sharer, you know, like she yeah. would you do interviews with her about TV or whatever she's working on. She would kind of try to not dive into it. And now here she is hosting, you know, co-hosting The View. So uh, but she had great insight about the debate as well. Did you also get into your uh, recording capabilities like your mad uh, interview skills? <laughs> no, thankfully. Yours. I say that to say we apologize ahead of time for what you're about to hear <laughs> because <laughs> Billy was at the helm. So, I'll Yeah, well, and it was also an echoey room, allegedly. You just... Okay, here we go. It's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys podcast, and I have my friend Candace Cameron Bure here. How are you doing today? I'm good. So we have a million things to talk about, but I think the first thing since we're sitting here the day after the presidential debate, the third debate, um, and the final debate, would be to ask you how you felt about it. I... <laughs> I know, I'm already laughing. I'll say, I, I was pleasantly surprised, number one, that Donald didn't look orange. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. He didn't at all. Was, he actually looked a little pale on my TV, but I'll yes. take it. I'll yes, yeah, the yeah. Over the orangeness. That's so true. Um... And I thought Hillary looked great. Uh, you know, they started off very strong, both of them, and it sounded very presidential. I thought they led off 
being respectful with the conversations and it seemed even tone. And so I was like, this is good. This is, this is an improvement. <laughs> um, but, you know, I really, my, I already made my decision, but it was so shaped within the first, um, you know, the, just when they, they kind of stood their position of here's what I believe in and here's what I represent. And immediately... I just thought to myself, great, I don't even have to watch the rest of the debate because I know what you stand for, I know what you stand for, and my whole, the the whole, what I'm, who I'm voting for is going to be based upon the policy issues. Let me ask you this, has anything shocked you? And if so, like what has been the most shocking thing to you during the whole campaign season? Has there been any one thing that you've just been like, oh my gosh? I don't know if I'm as shocked as I am disappointed. I just feel like these are these are the people representing the United States of America, and I wish there was more class and grace that has come with these candidates. And I realize it's like a boxing match; they're in it for the long run. They both want to win. They're going to pull out the big punches at the end, and it's kind of the way our political system has gone, but I've always been an advocate for someone, even when I was younger, not even understanding the political system, saying, thinking, why do these people attack one another? Why don't they just stand up for what they believe in and how they want to make a difference in the country? And maybe that seems so simple and idealistic, but that that's my true view. I wish I could just listen to them without all the rhetoric, without the mudslinging. I just, it, it, doesn't it's crazy. Make me enthusiastic for anyone who does that. Well, and this was the first debate where they actually talked about things. Like, I felt like the first two was like I don't even know what's going on. This one still had like the, you're a na- or what a nasty woman that comment that he made, which you know I laughed at. But when you when you put it in context, it's sort of like and they're both they both do this. I think both of them. She's more polished, but they both say these things and they go after these attacks that are so ridiculous. But that comment sort of summed up. The election to me, it's like, yep, this is where we are. We call each other nasty people on national TV. Um, It's just the whole thing is shocking. And I guess as a Christian, because I think for Christians, we look at everything through the lens of the gospel and and, and all that. So what for you is the most important issue or two issues, maybe, if you had to sort of boil it down when you look at the election as a whole? My, my, the, the biggest thing for me is the Supreme Court justice that will be open because no matter who wins this election, it's four years. Maybe eight if they're reelected, but that's the maximum. The Supreme Court justice seats will be until those people die. And that could be a very long time. It could be decades. It could be 40 years, 50 years. So I'm really looking at the big picture of our country and rereading and reminding myself about the Constitution and the principles and foundation upon which our country was built and to make sure that those are upheld because they have changed over time. And, um, I mean, with amendments, there's yeah. certain things that, that change. And if we get too far away from what our founding fathers wrote up for us in how this country will be different from all other ones, then we will lose it. Yeah, no, it's so true. And the two candidates couldn't represent, like they're so far apart on their interpretation and understanding. And I know, 
yeah, look, with both of them, they haven't been very consistent on a lot of things. And mm -hmm. so it's very easy to sort of pinpoint things. I mean, certain issues like abortion, she's been consistent on, but, but he hasn't been, you know. But when you look at where they stand now on things like the Constitution, it's very clear for both sides, I think, when they hear Hillary speak or when they hear Trump speak, okay, that is my vision for how this should be. Um, and I, it's funny, the Supreme Court, to me, is the biggest issue, too, but it doesn't show up on a lot of polling. People aren't thinking about it. They're not, you know, just people out there who maybe don't follow politics every day. They're not talking about it as much as you would think they would be. Yeah. And I don't know why that, I don't know why that I is. I feel like people are so invested in the person. And again, people may say, I'm crazy for thinking that way, but I feel like they're making it all about Hillary or all about Donald. And again, they may be in that seat for only four years. I know that God has used people that may not have the best intention to do good things. Yeah. And so I want to do my best to no matter who's in that seat, look at the big picture and the history of our country, that even if someone is terrible in there for four years, God can still use them to make good decisions that would affect us for a lifetime. Yeah, no, absolutely. And my co-host for The Church Voice, Chris Field, we, we've gotten into some debates about this, and I've said to him, I understand the people who opt for Hillary or Trump perfectly, even if I don't agree with their decision. Mm -hmm. What I don't understand are the people who are like, I'm not voting for one of them or I'm voting third party. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but to me, one of these people is going to be president. So why not choose one of them? But I understand why some people wouldn't. I get that. To me, I don't see it as sort of a salvation issue who I choose for president, but some people do. Mm -hmm. What's your take on that? I mean, like the people who are just like, I, I'm going to go third or I'm just not going to vote. I think it's a shame anyone who chooses not to vote. I forget the statistics of how many Christians are in this country that did not vote if every Christian Time. actually went out there and voted. Not that we would even vote the same. Right. But Christians vote differently, so I'm not even implying that. But if all the Christians actually went out and vote, voted, there could be some major change in this country. But so many of them feel like um, that it's useless to vote because they don't like either candidate. And I think that is the biggest cop-out of a decision. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you're – I mean, look, a lot of people have died for this right. Mm -hmm. They've given us this right. Um and I think, too, if we know there's going to be an effect by having somebody in office and you have two options, to me, I'm fine taking the lesser of two evils. And I know everybody hates when people say that. But to me, it's sort of like, well, I have to pick the one I think is going to be the best. And so for me, that's why I would choose one of the major party candidates. Mm -hmm. Not that I don't think there should be third party candidates. Not that maybe at some point in the future they won't matter more. But the reality is they, they don't matter on election day. It's going to be one of those big party candidates. So... Which is interesting because I fluctuated between maybe I'll write somebody in, even though I criticize it. I'm like, well, maybe I will. Maybe I can't opt for Clinton or Trump. Um, but I have chosen personally one of them now, and so I'm going to go with yeah. that choice, and that's just me. Well, the interesting part is unless you're in a swing state, you can probably write in, write in something. It's not going to affect anything. Like, yes. I, I'm, I vote in the state of California. <laughs> I pretty much know 99.9% my vote for the president is not going to make a difference because I live in a blue state. Same for New York, right? So, <laughs> I for me. Think, right, so if my conscience doesn't want me to vote for Trump or wants a third party, I could write that in. That's a very good and point. And it really isn't going to make a difference. So that's why I honestly don't feel the need to tell anyone what I'm going to do. There you go. Who I'm going to vote for. But I know that I'm a Republican and uh, and I'm going to vote based upon the, 
that, that the Republican Party, for the most part, stands by my worldview and the principles of how I would like to see yeah. the country go. No, absolutely. Yeah, and I think I think not voting is probably the one that I have the hardest time with. I, I get the third party one, but I don't get it as much as you know, kind of picking one. But hey, I don't judge anybody in this election. That's what I've said. It's I don't a tough either. election. I, I just go out there and vote. Right, I don't exactly. Care if your vote cancels out my vote. Just go, just go, go. do it. Just go do it. Right. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's shift gears a little bit because you have a crazy life. I mean, your life is crazy. You're doing Fuller House, and then you're doing obviously The View. And so those things don't happen in the same place. You have to travel quite a bit across right. the country. What is that like with a family? I mean, how chaotic, how do you balance that? Which I know you've talked a lot about yeah, balancing it all. I know. <laughs> one of my book titles. It's, listen, some days it's great, some weeks it's great, some days it's really difficult and hard and I miss my family. Uh, but I, you know, I, I love my family so much and they've been so supportive that it's one of those things when you work in the entertainment industry, it can suddenly hit, meaning you get job offers and people are interested in what you have to say or want to work with you and you can either take it or leave it. You don't know when that's going to come again. Um, but I've worked really hard. You know, I've been working since I was five years old. So this is something I love doing. I love my job and I'm at a place with my family where we've been able to work it out and they're really supportive of it. It doesn't mean that there aren't days where I'm crying going, I just want to yeah, go home. home. Yeah, exactly. I just want to kiss my kids. But I commute every week from LA to New York. And when I am doing Fuller House, that works in LA and I live in LA. So then I'm home, I'm home for dinner. I mean, <laughs> That's kind of nice. My Fuller House schedule is awesome. It's great. It's just more challenging when I'm here in New York. And then and then I have my movies in between. I just finished a Christmas movie because uh, uh, I wasn't on The View for three weeks because I was in Winnipeg, Canada, shooting that movie. So it's it's like crazy, <laughs> but I realize it could just it, it could end tomorrow. Right, so I but it's amazing. Just do what I'm able to do while I can and uh, and enjoy it. Yeah, no, I love it. Look, I will commend you. And actually, I didn't tell you this, but I'm telling I'm going to tell you now. I have my next book is about Hollywood media and universities and so and sort of how we have this anti-Christian bias that isn't always intentional but that just is sort of the result of those arenas and Christians leaving those arenas and so I mentioned you in the book as somebody who has worked in, I mean you're working on the view talking about these issues every day and having a presence and you're also in entertainment having a presence and you're not you know you're an actress who's a Christian right mm -hmm. you're not going there's nothing wrong with being a Christian actress but you have this presence, which is what Christians need to have in all of these different areas. And I, and I love that. I think it's Thank amazing. It's, it's rare, and people aren't doing it enough. Is it hard, though, for you? I mean, do you find that being different from a lot of the people around you is tough? No. You know, I just, I, I've had so many people, my, my friends said this the other day. They said, you know, I... You're so bold. You're so unashamed to talk about your faith, and I just don't know if I'd have the courage to do that with knowing so many other people around me might look at me like I'm cuckoo or <laughs> or just not like me. And for me, I say, oh, but that's my comfort. Yeah, that is my comfort zone. If I can find the opportunity to talk about my faith, that's the easy part for me. It's um, so I don't look at it from the opposite perspective, that it's hard to share my faith or, or hard to speak up, I look for it. I think that's what annoys, people love me for that or they really hate me for that because they're like, stop preaching the Bible. All you do, all you do is talk about your religion. 
but that's what matters to you. Right. View. It's I have a billboard, and it, it's it's just it's right at the front of my heart, and so it's very easy for me to speak of it because I truly believe it. Yeah. Well, and especially in a world where we kind of are living in a time when it's like we tell people separate it out. That's that's you. That's what you believe over there. That's not a part of what you're doing every day. That's not a part of your job, which I don't think is accurate. I mean. When you're a Christian, that's your worldview. You see everything through that lens. So I think that's incredibly important. And the whole purpose of this book is to encourage people to go out and, I mean, not everybody wants to be a professor or an actor or a director or a photographer, but go out if you can and do those things or at least be a light where you are because I think enough of us are not doing it and we need to be. So I think it's great you're doing it in two different areas, right? (laughs) and, yeah, I think it's interesting, too, thriving sort of in an area where people are different from you. Being able to do that is, is a rare quality, too. But I have to ask you something else about Trump that I forgot. Um, just this, this judgment on evangelicals, which I think is really interesting. And not just evangelicals, just groups of people in general. Hillary supporters are, or Trump supporters are, fill in the blank. And I think it's happening a lot with Christians because people are looking at Trump and saying, he's so awful, he's this, he's that, how could Christians support him? Has that been, how has that been to watch for you? Has it surprised you, those critiques? Um, How do you as a Christian sort of process that? Yeah, I'm very understanding of it. I get it. I get, I get the question. Um, I'm focused on the question and, and, and kind of weeded through all the different answers. And uh, I'm not offended by the, by the question at all. I mean, there are many things that, that he has said and done that absolutely do not uphold Christian values, biblical principles. And I'm, you know, I don't put Donald Trump up as, I don't hold him up on a pedestal and I don't put him up on a platform as this exemplary Christian man. But as a Christian, how can I vote for him? Um, If I choose to vote for him, well, again, I'm someone that's going to vote on the principles, and if he if he represents the the values yeah. or the, the you know the principles that I want for the country, then that's how I can justify it. Again, I'm not putting my faith in Donald Trump. I'm not putting my faith in Hillary Clinton or in any candidate. I put my faith in Jesus Christ, but I will pray for whoever is in uh, is in the position leading our country to pray for our Congress people to. Great for our country. That that's that's what I can do. But if but if people want to judge me, otherwise saying I'm a hypocritical Christian, it's certainly have the the right to say it. But yeah. that just kind of just rolls off my shoulder. I mean, well, it I is it is funny because for a long time, and I, I've tweeted this a few times, and I've gotten some reactions from people. But we've told evangelicals, you know. Get politics out of your faith. And now some people have started to say, you know what, I can actually see, I could vote for this person even though maybe they're not mm-hmm. a Christian. And all of a sudden, some of the same people saying for years, mm-hmm. you really need to separate your politics and your faith, which I don't think you're necessarily doing that if you vote for Trump. But but some people are able to compartmentalize more, and they're now criticized by the same people for years who were like, hey, you need to cut your faith out of that decision. And to me, that's sort of odd because... See, that's what that's why we have the freedom of religion and um, because it's not about separating our religion from the government. Our religion influences our decisions, which should therefore influence government. Government just cannot choose to support one specific 
religion, but it doesn't mean that we are to take all religion out of everything. Right. This is what drives it's me crazy. nuts about right. people thinking separation of church and state, which was not in the Constitution. Right. It was a letter to, to a congregation that, that Thomas but, Jefferson wrote, and yeah, it was not meant to be this way. But it's, um, it, it's a, you know, I, I've been reading Eric Tax's book. Oh, yeah, it's a great which, book. <laughs> it's, yeah, <laughs> which is great. I'm trying to, um, it's not a, if you can keep it as a tagline, but I'm trying to think of the, um, just the title, the first title. Oh, I'm at that, a loss for I'm it. at a loss for it as well, but it, it um, is a very good book. Anyway, it's really great, but I wish that more people, as I, you know, you read more and more and you learn about history, you just realize how far we've gotten from it and that we're not knowledgeable. We're not knowledgeable as a people, and especially our young people. Oh, it is called If, if You Can Keep It, The Forgotten Promise of it of American liberty, mm. but to go back to the basis of that constitution and what religious liberty and freedom means to our country, people have just yeah. made it into something that it isn't and was never intended to be. Yeah, well, and I, I teach two college classes, and so I'm interacting with these great young people every week, and I'm, and they're like 12 years younger than me, but I'm thinking, they have no concept at all what any of this means, and they're New Yorkers, you know, so maybe they haven't been, not that there isn't faith here, but I think there's a different understanding in the culture in some ways, but there is just so much confusion, and that's dangerous over time when people don't know those rights and what that means for the country and for the history of the country. Um, and we have now, we have situations where the government comes in and changes the definition of something and then imposes that on business owners, and so, and, and those are good conversations to have, and every case is different, but that's when you really start to see the effects of it um, play out yeah. in those situations. Yeah. So I think it's great that you're out there talking about all of this. Um, let's see here, what do I want to ask? Oh, so I wanted to ask you um, about your daughter, Natasha, and, uh -huh. and The Voice. What was that experience like for you as a mom, getting a chance to watch your daughter It was so great. So cool? I, you can't see my face, but I have a big smile <laughs> on my face. Because as a mom, you're proud of your kids no matter what. And we were excited about the opportunity. I was so proud that she had the courage to do that show because we had talked about it before. You know, would you ever want to audition for The Voice or American Idol? Would that be a way you would want to start your music career? And she was like, No, that would be <laughs> no. I, I wouldn't want to do that. And and then she decided to. And I I couldn't have been more proud. I was a very honest, mom. You know, I'm I'm. Because you watch like those shows, and sometimes you're like, "How could someone tell them that they sounded good?" Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> they don't. Exactly. So I'm always honest and everything, but very encouraging of of um, of anyone, uh, but my kids of pursuing what what they want to do. But she did a she did a great job, and I was so nervous. I think I was more nervous for her than I have been for myself in anything that I've done. You're always more nervous. Oh yeah. Kids. Oh yeah. You want them to succeed, but even if they don't succeed, they you, do, you just it breaks your heart to see their heartbreak. But she, um, it was it was the whole experience was wonderful. She was so happy with it and was so glad that she did it and has had wonderful growth from the show and then great opportunities that are coming her way as well. I love it. Well, that's great. Yeah, what an amazing, fun accomplishment for her yeah. and for you. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Election related. Oh, I'm so tired of talking about the election. <laughs> Don't you want it what? to be over? 
I want I it to do, end. I, I just I want wait. it to end. I, I neither can I. Which is sad because I usually love politics, but I just can't take it anymore. It's been a lot. So I'm looking forward to it dying down in a few weeks. The other thing was my my brother had revive us. Yes. His uh, live event that was in theaters this past just a couple this past Tuesday. Yes. It's going to replay in theaters on Monday the 24th. It was, uh, it was great, but I was so happy to go out and support my brother. I bought a ticket. I went to t- the Times Square. I saw that on Instagram. Movie, I was like, yeah. Movie theater. And I was, <laughs> I'm not even kidding with you. I was with a friend, and she got there before I did. And I said, please tell me there's some other people in the theater. Like, please tell me. Because I've never, I, I'm not in a, a yeah. church here in New York City. Because I fly home on the weekends. So I just don't know the church culture in New York, let alone, down, you know, yeah. Times Square. So I didn't know if there would be anyone, but there were there were a good group of yeah, people. There was a good chunk of people in there, which is yes. nice to see in the middle of Manhattan. It was, and so we we there were so many ch- amens and prayers <laughs> and things. Everyone shouting during the movie. I love it. It was great. And after the movie, the lights went up and everyone started talking to each other. I mean, a woman that was two seats over from us, she just came over and said, God bless you and hugged us. I mean, didn't know who we were and then but started conversation. We all prayed together as a big group. So you all prayed together after? We all prayed together after the movie. And then I finally said, because I was just so proud, I said, hey, can I get a picture of us? I go, because Kirk's actually my brother. And I want to send him a picture <laughs> to show him this group. Because you, you guys, everyone is so great. And so I'm so grateful and proud as his sister. But I'm just grateful as Christians you guys came out here and supported this and watched it. And they all went, ah, of course. We took a big picture together. And uh, it was so it was so encouraging. And then I thought Revivalist was just a wonderful event. I've heard amazing things. I didn't get a chance to so I'll have to catch it on uh, on Monday. It was good but. stuff. Man, tag team preaching by James McDonald and Francis Chan. I mean, come on. I love it. I love it. Well, it's great. And I love the work that he does. I love the work that you do. And I appreciate you coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks so much. The Church Boy. So, we're getting close to the end here. Billy is, uh, he's fading quickly. He looks like he needs a nap. Uh, <laughs> how's that? No, this is a bad person. You're such a bad person. Oh, well, that's, so is this, this was your first week at Faithwire, right? Yeah. Your first oh, yeah. Week this is how, my first week at Faithwire. Now, how did it, how did it go? We talked about it last week that you were going to be going to do this. How did your first week go? It was awesome. I mean, it was really, uh, really cool. I, I love what we're doing there. I think it, it, the stories are really fun. They're really interesting. There's just a lot of room. I like startups and it's a startup. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, really trying to make faith news interesting and fun. And yeah. I, I think it's, we're doing a great job of it. I love it. So, uh, are you enjoying the people you're working with? Because I know you're getting to work with some friends of ours. It's basically, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of people I work with at The Blaze, which I love. Um, and it's sort of like you walk into work. It's like, okay, this right. is really kind of like we moved offices and here we all are. So <laughs> it's um, cool. it's fun. And and I love you know the two people I get to work with most, um, Dan Andros and also Sarah Johnson, two people I really liked a lot when we were at The Blaze. So you know, the three of us are, ca- cool. are working on this together with um, some other writers, and it's great. It's a lot of fun. Well, I've enjoyed reading some of those stories that have been on 
on Faithwire, and I encourage people to go check it out. And we've actually, I've sent it to people around at the Blaze and said, you know, this is something we should be doing. So there's some people who are being inspired by the things that y'all are doing at Faithwire, you know, and looking maybe to do some similar things at the Blaze. We'll see. But anyway, uh, you had a story you wanted to close with before we get the heck out of here and start our weekend and drinking heavily. Yeah, you know, this... (laughs) Drinking, yeah, for you, Diet Coke. Um, <laughs> this story is about this this uh, teenager. Her name is Gabby Shull. And I noticed her story earlier this year was going viral a little bit. And there were some new things out about her. Uh, she ended up uh, hurting her knee. And it's kind of a crazy story. Hurting her knee while ice skating, falling on it, going to the doctor. And the knee got swollen. She wasn't healing. So her parents took her back to the doctor. And it turns out they do an MRI. And she has she has cancer in her knee. Wait, this wait, wait, very wait, wait. wait. Knee cancer? So it's basically bone cancer. It's okay. a childhood bone cancer from what I understand. And But it was just in her um, knee? It was it was the growth in her knee. That's where Weird. it was. Um and they were basically saying the doctors, you know, thankfully your injury helped save you because she had it obviously before the injury and because they did the MRI to figure out why the healing, the pain was still there. Wow. They they then noticed this. Now, wow. um after she starts going through treatments, they make a decision to amputate um, and do this really rare surgery. And it, it's sort of insane. It's it's an extreme surgery, but it's one that gives you a lot of a lot more mobility. If you're a young person who's very active, it, it may be something that you want to do. And essentially, because she was having her leg cut off above the knee, they take her ankle, her healthy ankle on the bottom of the leg, they turn it and they attach it so the foot is backwards to the bottom of her leg after they amputate, and it becomes a knee. I don't even know how to describe what? it. You have to look at it. But she can then put her foot into a prosthetic and bend the ankle, and it becomes an operable knee. No. And she can dance. She can. It, it is. It's. Um, I don't know weird. how many surgeries they do a year. It is. There's not a lot of these surgeries that are done. It's something that, again, it, it looks. You know, when you look at her, one of her feet is backward. Is backwards, right? So yeah. you was. Oh, that's really. You know, but Weird. she is able to live her life and bend a le- her leg and it's and dance and rock climb because of the surgery. How old is she? Fifteen. Really? Can we get her on the show? I don't know. We should try to. We absolutely should try to. Is this? Is um, this no. Where did you find this story? National Enquirer. Was, is that, I mean, is this for realsies? No, it's for real. It's for real. It's uh, Daily Mail. A lot of people have covered it. It's oh. called rotation rotation plasty. It's a rare procedure Weird. in which her healthy ankle was used as a replacement knee, and um, and you can read all about it at Faithwire, and you can see there's a video, and she talks about it, and her family's been very vocal about it. Uh, there's a wow. group called Truth. 365 they did they did a video on her um wow yeah basically and let me just i'm going to read the quote so you understand they this is from her they took out my knee area which is the portion of the can that the cancer was in and they took out my lower leg and twisted it 180 degrees backwards reattached it to my upper thigh so now my ankle acts as my knee joint and whenever i point my foot it straightens the prosthetic and whenever i flex my foot it bends it that is amazing and so it's actually really amazing. So, so instead of, you know, they could have just amputated, which is what they would have done, right. I'm sure, back in the day. And she doesn't have any ability to bend because the knee is gone. Now she has that ability. So, and so she's a competitive dancer. And she, it's they, an amazing story. Why couldn't, they, why couldn't they just put in a fake knee? I don't know that. I don't know what that. Techn- I have no idea where that stands medically. Maybe, maybe um, the ankle will grow with her. Will the ankle grow have, with her as she grows? Will it grow with her? Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. 
I don't know. That's a really actually a great question. But um, yeah, this was something that I just found incredibly fascinating. And a lot of our readers responded to it, obviously, oh. because it you can see it, too, which I think really helps. And the title of the story is Little Girl Who Survived Cancer and Lost Her Leg Has an Inspiring Message. And she takes you through what that inspiring message is. So, you know, don't give up your dreams. You can do it. And she's done it. So. So now you're inspired to pursue your dream of professional dancing. Uh, professional pie eating, actually. Pie. You've mastered that one. I think you should go the dancing route. I think you'd be fabulous. I could see what you about, in the tutu. Well, I and, think if I could twerk, I might have more interest. Oh, I've seen you twerk. You can twerk, baby. You can twerk. I'm a twerker. All right, I got to go, so okay. let's, let's be done. I would love to see you. I regret the, the food truck. Oh. What? I, re I regret the food truck comment. Why? The one about having friends. But why do you regret that? Because I don't regret it. I'm just trying to be Christian. <laughs> Good luck. The Church Boys.